0: Hey, Conjugate Chat friends, this is Mike Cunningham from Gill Athletics and I
1: need your help, or maybe I need to help you. See, we have a crap ton of rubber bumper plates and other weight room items that we need to clearance. We need to clear them out of our factory.
0: That's right, a crap ton. That's the official measurement. All offers will be considered. Email me at M C U N N I N G H A M at gillathletics.com to see the full list and check out the show notes right here on Conjugate Chats for a link to see the items and my email address. Thanks everybody and stay strong.
1: And welcome back to another episode of the Conjugate Chats. Before going into the episode I want to thank everyone for tuning in to this episode and uh, taking the time to sit down and just listen in on what we got going on here on the podcast today. Um, A couple of things before we get going into the episode is um, I want to do a couple ad reads for our sponsors, starting with the DOYC, the Department of Young Strength Coaches. This group is designed for young strength coaches wanting to go into the field of strength conditioning. Whether that's CSCS prep, GA or internship opportunities, or even live discussions, they are a resource for young coaches to take advantage of. I will put the link to the Discord in the description of this episode. Also, Team Builder. Team Builder is a software for performance coaches around the world. Their powerhouse platform provides coaches with an elevated experience when it comes to program development, data tracking, and staying connected with athletes and clients. Team Builder is also full of tools that coaches need, like multiple max training methods, 16 plus reports, evaluation testing, and goal setting to name a few. Coaches also have access to consultations with Team Builder's in-house sports scientists to help manage and analyze data. Head to teambuilder.com and sign up with the promo code CONJUGATE to receive a 30-day free trial as well as a 52-week football workout program. Please be sure to sit back listen in and enjoy this episode of the Conjugate Chats. Thank you. And welcome back to another episode of the Conjugate Chat. I have on here Cody Coley. He is the head strength and conditioning coach over at Christian Brothers High school in memphis tennessee cody i appreciate you coming on man welcome to the conjecture chats man welcome to season three
0: yeah let's, let's go bro how you doing
1: been better been worse but yeah. hey we're, we're here all right so um let's kind of give the listeners a little background about yourself so talk about yourself where you've been from what's your road training, conditioning all that good wonderful stuff man
0: yeah that's your that's my favorite question that to to answer in anything, job interview, whatever it is, tell me about you. Uh, Just the road. Man, we can always come back to this as we chat along because if we get into talking about culture, we're going to want to come back to this. But like, grew up in Arkansas and uh, played high school football for a a Hall of Fame coach. Again, that's a point we will come back to. But I got into law enforcement out of essentially kind of out of college or while I was still finishing college up and it all drew, it all was kind of designed around the way I was wired, like the way I knew I was wired. The things I wanted to do, a decision I made to not do one thing and do another thing, which would have been law enforcement, got into operation management because uh, make a little bit more money because you ain't you ain't make a lot of money when you're a police officer. And then from there, just the office setting ain't me. It ain't gonna be me. You know, I'm a Mustang and I gotta be out on the planes running. So uh, so like. I got into doing some coaching and was in inner city Memphis, little middle college high school, and then kind of ran with that. And it's one of those things, man, whenever you, when you land on the right limb, you know, that's where you need to be. And so it, it just kind of ran off. I mean, I don't know if you can see, there's, there's a little plaque in the back. That's the first year I coached, I got this little award and I kind of, it was a commitment award because I was always there. So I'm running 70 hours a week. Uh, at this operation job where I'm managing uh, these trucks and these people. But then at about two o'clock every day, I got to go to the school and I was there until about seven. And it it was like this unique world where one side of the stress was like unnecessary stress. Like it was just tasks that were almost, you know, unrealistic in the way that they were expected. And then on this other end, it was a vision of what we were going to be or what we were going to build at this little school and then the stress that was put on that so there was these like two worlds of stress and I ain't afraid of stress it's the it's the kind of stress that we need to figure out what we're going to bring in and what we're going to going to put back out so at the end of the day I was like this is what I need to be doing and uh my my better half is a Yankee uh, from up north and uh, I met her in Memphis and I told her that I'm never going to move north of the Mason-Dixon line so just work that around your, your life plan. I don't know how that works for us or if it don't. And uh, uh, she made a liar out of me, and she didn't try. It was just kind of happenstance. I got an opportunity to be the head sprint coach at Middletown High School, which is essentially in Ohio, big schools are Division One, and then as you go down, if you're Division 7 you're like a single-A school in Tennessee. So they are Division One. home of Chris Carter, uh, tremendous facilities, had a lot of potential. At athletes, um, you know, to me, it, it wasn't what they were, it was what they could be and the vision behind that. And so I, I created the strength program from there. I was like the first strength coach that they had had. And so I create the, created the program for them, got those kids excited, kind of got them in a the mission of a standard and how things that needed to be done. And then from there, got an opportunity to go work at University of Notre Dame in football with Coach Matt Bayless and Jake Flint, who's now LSU, was a, a, an opportunity on the journey. Of chasing development because that's what we do like it's never stopped it's a 365 24 7 thing that we're going to constantly be chasing development and that was a good i mean i learned a lot a lot of who i wanted to be as a strength coach how i needed to do it on a different level from there went back to cincinnati because i was working you know i was uh you know being in cincinnati and going to notre dame uh, we were paying, I was paying two rents because we still had our place in Cincinnati and then there and then being low on the totem pole, the opportunities to continue the college journey wasn't going to uh, negate me paying two rents. And we weren't real high on that totem pole at the time. So I was like, got to make a executive decision here. Went back to Cincinnati uh, and helped a buddy of mine out, Adam Atala, for a little bit. And then went to Ohio State and worked in sports medicine where you kind of essentially got contracted out to do strength uh, work for them work with Dan Inglis is a tremendous dude and a tremendous strength coach a lot of I picked that I called that dude not too long ago man I just picked the phone up it's like hey you know it, it's interesting again when I talk about you chase development, you also are putting new tools and people and resources on your belt that give different perspectives so depending on what kind of perspective I need, I got a phone number that I'm gonna call and they probably know it's coming too and then they see my number and they're like, oh man what this dude want?" we we've to have we have to have an hour long conversation right here <laughs> like get ready because I'm talking it's going uh and then from there get, went to Solon Ohio so you know this whole theme of I'm not going to be north of the Mason Dixon line uh well you know Cincinnati and then South Bend and then you kind of come back and I'm like all right we're working back in the right direction now Columbus Cleveland Ohio like man what am I doing here so, uh, and then I ended up going back to Cincinnati for a minute and then the opportunity at Christian Boats came open and, uh, it's been a, it's been a good deal so far. So right now I'm back in, uh, back in the South where I believe I belong, but you know, the North seems to really like me up there for some weird reason.
1: Man, that's awesome, man. And, um, I grew up in Illinois, so, uh, lived 14 years in, uh, Tennessee from okay. from when I was born up till probably eighth grade, seventh grade year, then spent my high school and college years up there. So I do know some of the struggles and some of the um, uh, battles that you face that you want to come back home to the, you know, to the South and not everything like that, man. So that I, I totally relate to you on that. Let's kind of backtrack a little bit. You know, you say you went into law enforcement and then want to be a strength coach. What, what was the moment that it clicked for you that you want to be a strength and conditioning coach?
0: Well, that's an interesting thing because that was, uh, that was like a storm brewing from a long time prior. Like when I was in high school, um, man, I was obsessed. Like I was, I had this obsession, like obsession, you know, really was what it was. And I don't know if it was just the way I escaped other things, but like when I was in high school and just to give you a, like, we used to have this in Arkansas, they still do it to this day. I think it's tremendous. Uh, it's called Hootons Arkansas football. And it's like, uh, I know our coach, our football coach here, Christian brother had a, a similar manual like this in the offices where it had all the private schools in the state and had pictures of the, of the players and a little, little background on the team lineage, whatever. So Arkansas does one of those for every team in the state, public and private. It's one big book, Hootons Arkansas football. And I was obsessed with those things. Okay. Uh, I would, I, I could tell you any mascot in the state of Arkansas right now, it'll never be on jeopardy. If I'm ever on jeopardy and that comes up, I'm about to make some money. All right. Uh, but I was obsessed with it, man. I was obsessed with the whole motif of high school of football and high school football and college football, uh, training to be a better football player. So like, that was just an obsession for me. And I mean, obsession, like I, had the NC, the only video game I've ever really owned in my life is NCAA football. And I had it all the way back when there was a PlayStation and Ricky Williams was on the cover. Like, think about that. And then it got to where you could create teams. And I would create our high school, like, who we played. And I could get it down to, like, identical. I mean, my buddies on game day, like, at Wynn, when we had a game, we had block scheduling. So we get out of school at 140. But we would go eat Chinese food, and everybody could in my house, and it'd be like a free for all of what people were doing. And and most people were in the back playing. You know, it was Win versus Stuttgart or something on the on the video game. Like, this realistic. So I say all that nonsense to say like I was kind of obsessed with like training to be a football player. Uh, I bought street shoes. You remember those little funny looking shoe? Yeah, I'd run up and down the street with those on. They came with a workout, a Plyo workout. So I would do that, uh, and then. When I was in eighth grade, this is a little bit non-chronological. But when I was in eighth grade, we had this kid on our football team. He probably, you know, if I ever make the real big time, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to uh, hit this guy up, and I, have to, I'll, I'll probably owe him. But uh, his name is Robbie Morlock, and uh, he was a little yoked-up joker. His dad got him in boxing, and so he used to work out. I mean, like a lot. Like, you know, like he was for an eighth grader, he was rocked up, okay, especially white kid in Wynn, Arkansas, and uh, I mean, he was an okay football player, but boy, he looked apart, right, and I just remember thinking to myself, well, I gotta look like Robbie, that's what I need to do, you know, that's that's kind of how our, our little adolescent brains start to work for us, and uh, so I was like, well, what do, what do you do, and he's like, well, I go to, I don't even remember what it was called, there's some little gym in Wynn, of course, you imagine a town of 8,000 people, we, it probably wasn't a real nice gym back in, you know, the early 2000s, and so I remember thinking, yeah, I'm going to go there, and so I remember, you know, kind of convincing my mom, hey, you need to take me here, and it's about, she's, about the time I'm about to win her over to driving me down here, across my house, well, we had this, like, we lived in the subdivision, kind of in in the middle of wind, but, like, there was, it, wind's a big, field anyway essentially it's like a field and a ridge and, and then we're the we're in the between it so there's this big bean field essentially like right beside my house about 250 yards across it there was this building being built and it piqued my curiosity so i moseyed over there one day and i'll be darn if it wasn't a, it was gym 2000 brand new gym and so from that day forward, man, I had no kidding. walked across this bean field every day. Like when school ended, I'd walk across that beanfield. I'd go to the gym. Now, did I know what I was doing? No, not really. I bought, you know, Arnold's Encyclopedia of Bodybuilding. I bought, uh, I got it around here somewhere. It's the old, uh, here it is. This ain't it, but this is uh, the old complete conditioning guide to football. I've had this for, I've been, this is not the actual one I had, but like, I've had this book for 30 years now, or, no, that's not wrong, 20 years, right? And uh, so you kind of mimic those things, but all these little gadgets. And so I tell that long story to tell you that, like, it was kind of, it was destined, as corny as that may be. And then uh, I would always take the kids in our neighborhood, and I would teach them our playbook because I was a quarterback. And that's kind of the job of the quarterback is to know what everybody's got to do and how they got to do it. And be an extension of the coach. And so, my little brother at about fifth grade, he could run the entire Win Yellow Jacket playbook like the back of his hand and still probably could to this day. he really didn't play, he played a little bit of seventh grade football. That's about it. And so, my stepdad would always say, Dude, you need to be a coach. You need to go coach football. And I was like, I don't want to do that. It's not what I want to do. So, that being the preface, and then I got into law enforcement. You just had this whole mentality of like I wanted to do military I wanted to be in the special forces but my mom had already lost a son uh, when I was a baby so I was like you know that's a that's a thought process like empathetically like empathetically thinking the what you put them in like she's already lost one son if I do this military thing I knew where I stood from a physical standpoint I knew where I stood from a determination standpoint who knows I mean you never know who's gonna make those special units who you never know but I knew what I was going to try to do And I know how determined I am. And I know when I try to do something, there ain't a whole lot of times that it don't work out. So I had to make a peace with it. And law enforcement was kind of the it was kind of the compromise. I still got to do that thing, uh, that tactical thing. I still got to serve the community. I still got to be, you know, learn about, you know, clearing rooms and doing the things that you need to do that are that are, you know, and. uh, the PT part of it was a big deal, so went went into law enforcement. I won the PT award in the police academy, and I remember telling the guys, so we drove up there every day at Jonesboro, and I remember telling the guys within the first week, so I knew they gave out four awards. They gave out an academic award, uh, a sharpshooter award, a PT award, and a uh, an overall award, and the rumor was it was non-negotiable that Jonesboro didn't win the firearms award. Like, we better win it. Like, it was like, y'all better win that. Like, that was the big cop macho thing. It was like, not PT. Like, let's put that in perspective. That's a whole nother conversation, but put that in perspective. They were more concerned about us winning the firearms award than the PT award, and I used my physical fitness more than I ever used my firearm. A or thought there. Um, but uh, I remember telling the guys in my car, I'm going to win the PT award. Now, the knock on the PT award was it was uh, graded off of Cooper's fitness standards. It's like an old military maybe standard of fitness, and it was great. It's like a curve. So if you're 37 years old and you're in good shape, you do, uh, you know, 55 pushups in a minute, man, you got 99% because it's a percentage in how much you get. From, if you're 22 and you do 50, it's like 76%. So you got to be like, you got to be and everything. You got to run mile and a half in like a sub nine or something like it was. So like, but I was hell bent and there was this one guy in my academy class. I've always been wired this way. His name was uh, uh, Justin Moss. Just, I mean, we just, we just always tell him that he was uh, made in a machine, made in the lab and he was an absolute unit stud of a human lieutenant in the army, just stud of a human. And I just remember thinking to myself, I'm going to beat him at everything I can beat him at. And we'll see where the, we'll see where the chips fall. and whenever they. When we graduated, I was third in the class overall and I won the PT award. So, like all these things that I'm telling you, and I tell it like I tell it to understand that it was all kind of a storm brewing together for me to do this. And then once I got into operations, it was just like, you know, I like the operation puzzle solving part of things, didn't like the corporate piece of it. And so, as soon as my feet hit the ground in a weight room, or on a football field with a whistle around my neck, it was over, because all that stuff was kind of festering inside, right? So that's kind of how that transition went, and that's that's where we are, and that's why we're where we are right now, the way we are right now.
1: Man, Cody, that's that's awesome, man. You know, it's um, you know, it's one of those things that we feel ourselves as coaches that it's almost predestined for us to be coaches, to have the whistle around our necks. You know, when you first step into the weight room, it's almost like a second home. You know, it's it's a place of tranquility and peace, and almost like a comfort zone for us. Um, so that's completely awesome on that aspect. There, you know, um, you know, you're one of those guys and one of those athletes that you know you always chasing to be better. And I think that's where kind of strength coaches lie their bread and butter in. You know, we always strive to be better in whatever aspect, mentally, physically. Just challenge ourselves to be better. And this kind of ties into what we're going to be talking about today, which is obviously culture. You've been at a few different places. Um, you're at Christian Brothers High School right now. How do you instill a culture of excellence to chase you know, success in every part of your strength program?
0: So that, how, how, clarify that one part. Like, how do, you, how do you go about it or how do you, how do you never lose the desire to do it? Is it which, which one are we are working for there?
1: Let's go both, but let's go with the first one first, and then we'll talk about the other aspect.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, the first thing and foremost, you got to understand what it what it really means to have a culture at a place, right? And culture, in and of itself, is a fancy buzzword. You know, I love. I got some really good people in my at Christian Brothers that, if anything, has a come has come from me being a Christian Brothers. It was me, these people being put in my path to create different shifts in my mentality. Okay. My head football coach is one of those guys that like, he's the, he is the, you know, he's the standard to which I want other coaches to meet. You just, he's going to tell you how it is. And like, he don't, he, he just really like, here it is. And a lot of people in our nowadays society can't handle that. They can't handle that. Behavior. And I just, I can't not handle it. Like you got to be that way with me. Like don't, don't soft foot around it. Just rip the bandaid off, man. Like we got things to do. I'm a grown man. It's going to be okay. I've had plenty of adversity. You telling me I'm not doing what I need to do the way I need to do it. It's just part of the bill. You know, like it's just part of the bill. It's got to get paid. And uh, so all that being said, you have to understand what culture is and you have to be able to go into a room, into a a business or a team, and you got to be able to look at it and assess what's present and what's absent. And, uh, you know, one of my degrees, I have a degree in philosophy. So whatever that means, my philosopher, I don't know, but I'm a thinker for sure. And it just teaches me, how, taught me how to kind of hone my thoughts. And then I have a master's degree in emergency, ma- disaster preparedness, and emergency management. And both of those two things kind of get me in this place of like, you know, emergency management is kind of like, are, are we prepared? You know, what's the worst thing? can happen? Are we prepared? Are we mitigating those? bad scenarios to keep it sane. Oh, wait, bad thing happened. Uh, what's our response? Well, what's our response when bad things happen? Okay. And then recovery, how fast do we get back to normal? What's well, funny that those are the four pillars of emergency management, preparedness, mitigation, response, and recovery. And every strength coach on the planet that listens to this is going to go, man, that's, that's everything I do every single day. You know, I got a master's degree just thinking about that. In ain't kinesiology, it's about the overwhelming, like, mental drive of what we do because that's what we do that's what emergency managers are supposed to do in our society is they're supposed to look at our our cities and go where are we weak like that's what i do as a strength coach that's what you do every time i give my athletes a stimulus whatever that is i'm not trying to see how strong they are i'm trying to see are they weak can they handle that stimulus is that stimulus, stimulus creating an adaptation for them uh is it breaking them off uh, is that on me? Did I over-programmed that I overprogram that? That I expect a little bit more out of them than they were ready for? Uh, do I need to dial it back? So, like, going to the culture element, that's how I walk into everything and I look at it like that. Okay? Are they prepared? You know, what are they doing to mitigate these things? What's their response? And most importantly... What's their response? Not necessarily is the strength program been good. Like, are they? You know, I go a place. Do I see them internally rotated? Are they? They got broad shoulders and thick backs and traps and big butts. You know, like I can physically assess them and go, okay, we're underdeveloped. Even if they're bench pressing a lot of weight and squatting a lot of weight, which is probably not going to be great patterning, but I I still go, we're underdeveloped from the injury standpoint. Um, but a bigger piece of that is. Culturally, what happens when somebody's not doing what they're supposed to do? What happens when you give them a new detail of how things got to get put back in the room or how things got to get done? How do they react to it? Right. And and at the end of the day, culture is leadership. That's all it is. It's culture is just a it's just a strong leader imposing a set of non-negotiable standards. Period. That's it. It's all culture is. And when you go to a place and you say. And you hear coaches go, well, we just don't got any leaders. And they talk about the kids. They need to go, we need to look in the mirror because it ain't the kids. If the kids, ain't, if you ain't got good leadership from your teenagers, it's because you ain't got good leadership from your adults. And people don't like that. Our adults do not want to be told you aren't doing the thing you need to do the way you need to do it. It's going back and coach me down. He'll tell you that. And if you don't like the way that sounds, do better or get out. You know. Well, high school, they don't work that way either because you just can't, it ain't Alabama. You just can't get all the guys on the that ain't moving the bus in the right direction off the bus. You, you, you're you not able to do that, all right? Or it's not as easy to do that. Let's put it that way. I hate to use the word can't, but it's, it's a little bit more challenging to do that. So creating a set of, like, simple things. Like, it's not complicated things. When I talk about creating culture, it's simple. Like, we wait at the door before we come in. They have, to be, they have to be wearing team or school colors. Like, in a perfect world, it would be a matching shirt, matching shorts, and everybody looked the same. Coaches would wear the same thing. Like, we would all be aligned to understand that it's about being uniform. Okay, there's no individuality here. We are one unit. We're one storm together. So I create these little dynamics for them. Uh, when they come in the room, they have a sign racks. Inside there, are, I have sheets on the wall that has their partner, who they got to work out with. They don't get to pick who they work out with. They got to work out with the guy I want them to work out with. Because here's what you find out about your culture. And I see that here at Bow sometimes. Oh, man, you got me with so-and-so? That's a problem. That's a big problem. And if it happens, if you can count it on on two hands that kids say that, you got a bigger, deeper issue. Because they're going to have to lean on so-and-so when times are tough. Or they're going to expect so-and-so to do what he needs to do on fourth and three you know what I mean? Like that carries over. And there's a, there's a bigger underpinning of why they feel that way. Like it doesn't matter who I put you with. Some of the kids are a little stronger. So I want them to push this kid a little bit more. Some of the kids are better leaders and I want them to, and this kid's kind of a little bit of a loosey goose. like, I want you to, I want you to wrangle him up. Like I got a lot of kids right now that are leaders and I put, like we do SWAT special workout accountability teams uh, for the summer and I used to let them pick the teams this year due to time constraints. We just picked the teams for them and it actually turned out to be better. So every team has a guy that has some accountability issues. And so whenever the leaders are the, you know, they're, we call them leaders, but they're the quasi leader right now. They kind of got to earn that right. But they're currently in the role of being the leader. When they saw they had so-and-so just about most of them go, man, you gave me so-and-so and I go, Exactly, you know, like a good leader, whether it's a CEO or a principal or a head football coach, is going to have to deal with somebody who is less than where they need to be. And what I want to see is, what do you do whenever they're not doing what they need to do, or how good of a leader are you? That do you uh, do you inspire them to want to do the right thing? Are you a leader that leads by example, so then your team wants to emulate you? You know, like this is what I'm looking for. You don't impress me by getting up in front of the team going, hey guys, quiet down. Let's, that's not impressive. But when you got a guy that's not able to get his mind right and he can be on your team and he does what we need him to do the way he needs him to do it, you're a good leader. And if we got 10 good leaders on a football team, we're going to have a chance to be in a lot of good, a lot of fights. You know, a matter of fact, we're probably going to be in most fights. And uh, all that's going to do is it's going to create more cohesion. And more cohesion is going to get stronger with every adverse situation that you come across. So uh, when we talk about place to place, everywhere I go, when I get there, I'm assessing what is their characteristic weak link. Right. And then I'm going to do some type of thing around that with Solon. It was toughness. OK, smart kids. But we needed to create a new identity of tough for them like they were high academic Athletic kids, like high academics, super smart. That's hard. That's tough. Well, a lot of people think, well, it's a smart kid school. They're, they're, they're just smart and nerdy. Well, Solon was good at a lot of things. Basketball, football, they dominate and track. Now, like, they're good at a lot of things. But, you know, sometimes when you get hit in the mouth, I mean, when teams will really hit you in the mouth, you see a little bit of that, okay, you know, wean out. Math, we ain't out scheming these people and just using what we have. Like, now you got to punch back sometimes. And so there was a toughest comet of the week. And there was a definition of what that was in that little breezeway when you come running it, come in every day. There was a definition, five things of what it meant to be a toughest comet. And uh, man, they, again, they're smart kids, they're academic driven kids. So, like, you give them a metric to try to attain, even if it's characteristic driven. Oh, man, they, they just ate it up. And then I created a whole another level for them getting a tad off tangent, uh, which I called the assassin block, which I was later told I can't say in a high school setting. Um, I guess fair enough. Uh, but, uh, like you had to be like, I have, you know, I've used team builder everywhere I've been. And so like, I had this like skull and bone, like special logo made up. And, uh, I would send them a, a message on team builder with just the logo, just like, boom five 30 a.m all black friday morning like like that was like their invite because it's it's like you got to get in their mind like you got to be corny that's why a lot of good cultures too like if you read the book called culture code by daniel coy where he went around and studied you know high performing teams and businesses he says they have these net what they call navigation cues and he says it's kind of corny like you go hang around a bunch of Navy SEALs doing what they do and nobody would ever call a Navy, think of a Navy SEAL be corny, he said, but it's kind of corny. The things that they say and how they say it all the time, it's almost cheesy-ish. But they live it and they breathe it and they believe it. And so when you create these little cheesy dynamics, they have to make a decision. Are they going to be, you know, the cool guy or girl? And be like, oh, that's, that's dorky. You know, that's cheesy. Or are they going to be like all in on it? Oh, I like that. You know what I mean? But that's another little thing, a little opportunity that you give to them that will make a big impact. They get to choose. Well, this is just who we are. You don't think it's cool. We don't care what you think. It's what we are. We're going to worry about us. So that's a big that's that's kind of the the grand scheme of like, You know, going into a place and talk about assessing a culture, creating some type of directives and giving them those tasks so that they can kind of like put it in place.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and let's kind of dive deep into a couple of things that you mentioned. One being adversity, and the other being individualism, because that's two things you're going to see in the high school setting, and I, I, I would say it maybe even in college too. And it's starting to get that way a little bit in athletics. But let's talk about the adversity part of it first, because there's a little slogan or equation. I like numbers. There's a little equation that is like a slogan for some teams. It's E plus R equals O. Event plus response equals outcome. So when you're sitting there talking about adversity, you know, you're go to a team and it happens every year, you know, you go to a team and they are going to come out and they're going to punch you in the mouth, just off the bat, just boom, you know, your response to that determines your outcome. Because if you just roll over like a dog on his back, right. Just give up, you know, you're, you're going to be in the world hurt for the next 60 minutes.
0: Yeah. 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 And that's, well, and that's a bit there's a different thing to that. You know, Memphis used to have this knock. There was this uh, good uh, there's a documentary. You ever seen the documentary Undefeated? I think that's what it's called. It's uh it's like it used to be on Netflix, it may still be. Guy the guy named Bill Courtney uh takes over this like little inner city team. And in, in the process of the making it, he's talking about how the knock on Memphis inner city teams was that. If you got up on them, they would they would fold. And the thing was, is that ain't really a knock on Memphis. That's a knock on. That's a knock on any team with bad culture. Kind of simple put. Uh, and, and it's a little bit of knock on even going back to my age. I'm 37. So like even probably a tad bit going back to the I'll, I'll, I'll This is a total theory. So maybe this is a thing. Maybe it's not. Uh, it's almost a video game age the day when you could not when you could be playing madden you know madden used to be hard like really hard and if, you know like you couldn't do crazy stuff on madden and then you'd get beat by the computer and uh and, and so like what happened whenever you was losing what did you do you just hit restart or you quit so like that was that was like at a time in your life like pre-adolescent adolescent where as soon as you were either just destroying the computer or you were getting beat you could just Disengage. Well, that happens. That's that's a thing that happens to our athletes uh, everywhere, everywhere. So we have to teach them that it's not really about the scoreboard. It's about what you're imposing upon your opponent. Like when you get done with that game, whether they won or they or you lost, uh you know whether you win or you lose, what is your opponent's perception of the effort that you put forth? Do they want to do it again? You know, like if we play somebody and they beat us, but we could go, hey, let's run it back. Did we give them everything they could handle where they would go, "Ah, I'm good. good." You know, we probably all won some games where we were like, whether it's one-on-one pickup or whatever, where we've been like, you win, but then you're like, good Lord, dude. Like, that dude was all – I mean, that that was almost impossible. Like, how did we win this game? And the team that lost may not perceive that you felt that way. Like, I try to get our kids to understand, like, we played NBA in the playoffs this past year. And again, it's just it's just a cultural thing, kind of uh, where we put some of these teams on pedestals a little bit as we get ready to play them, and and you could tell they did not want to put them on a pedestal. Like we've been talking about this, we're not putting them on a pedestal. We're not going to put them on a pedestal. We're going to do what we do. And I try to do things each week uh, to show them how athletic we were. I mean, we had guys hitting mid thirty inch PRs in the playoffs on a like the on a game day, okay, like. Yes, our entire back, our entire secondary has a 33-inch higher vert. You know, our entire secondary can run 20 miles an hour faster. Like, I don't want to hear this crap about we're not athletic enough. Like, that's not a thing. That's not a thing. You just need to be more skilled. You need to do what Coach Crawford tells you to do, or Coach McDaniel is telling you to do when he tells you to do it, the way he tells you to do it. And and put your doubt aside, right? And man, we we played that game. You know, I mean, we, we had some struggles, but in the third quarter, we just kind of kept fighting. And all it took was them to have one little, you know, blip and we were kind of on. them. And there was a moment and just it was one quarter, man. And that was the sad part. But like it was one quarter where we were kind of like. Dude, we saw doubt in their heart and we saw belief in ours. And the reality of that, the final scenario of that is. What if we had that level of confidence and belief walking into this game? What would have happened? We may have still lost, but it might have been 35, 34. You know, it would have been 28, 14 or whatever it was. I don't remember the final score. But, like, you know, I remember, you know, I talked about going back. You know, when I was in high school, I played at Wynn High School in Arkansas. And, uh, you know, we we was a steamroller back then. We ran a three-back backfield. I was a quarterback. We had D'Angelo Williams that played for the Panthers. We had a guy named Antonio Warren, who, this is a really crazy story. Most people don't know about this, but this is interesting. So D'Angelo was a sophomore. We had a quarterback named Jerome Stegall, who I, like, idolized. Because I was a quarterback. This guy could run a bootleg and take it to the house. I mean, he might have got the ball five games, five times a game. He'd score two or three times. Like, incredible, right? And uh, so we had that guy as a quarterback. We had uh, D'Angelo is a sophomore who was a stud as a sophomore. We had Antonio Warren who, like, I don't know, like led the state in rushing multiple years. He ended up going to the NFL as well. So we had, these, we had all three of those guys in some little small 8,000-man podunk town in Arkansas. All three of those guys went uh, to a, to an NFL practice at some point in their life. Jerome went to the Saints. D'Angelo, obviously, we know his career. But So my point to make is, we just did this system, man. Like we did this stuff repetitiously. That's what coach Campbell made us do. Repetition, repetition, repetition. It was the whole, um, uh, you know, amateurs or whatever they say amateurs do it till they don't get it wrong or they do it till they can, they get it right. And professionals do it so they can't get it wrong. Well, we were kind of of that of that alignment. And so like we would do it over and over and over again. And I'll tell you like my, um, affliction for Coach Campbell was not very high. I was a quarterback. I wanted to throw the ball. I worked really hard. Uh, I know this for a fact. I did everything I thought I needed to do, which is not actually – there's probably other things I could have done. But we didn't throw the ball a whole lot, man. We just didn't. And I had this mentality like a lot of high school kids probably have, which was a little chip on your shoulder um, to, you know, like the coach. but what I did not realize was that I never walked on a football field in high school and ever thought we were going to lose a game. I never walked into a, I I never went to the week of a game or on a, or I went into a football game and had a spread of doubt that we were about to dominate. Like we were about to win the game. And you know what? 95% of my high school time at Win high school, that was, a, that was fact, right? We won, we lost a few, but it was very few. Okay. And a lot of that was just we did this thing over and over and over again. Well, what is that? That's confidence. So these things that we do in the weight room for adverse situations is over and over and over again, putting you in a position where your teammate has to, as soon as I see that doubt, your teammate, I'll be going, come on, man, you got this. Let's go push, 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 push. You're good. Push, push, go, go, go. What that does is that creates a new neurological pattern for you. So that way, when that adverse thing hits later, you know wh- you know how you're built. And you're going to push through it. And even if it's a new wall that you ain't had to scale up, you know, like, well, I've been down this road. I felt this feeling where I wasn't sure, but it wound up being good. It's like the days you really don't want to train and you know, you got a doozy on the schedule and you're like about halfway through, you're going, man, I think I might just let this one be for the day, but you finish. And then like 30 minutes after you get done, you're dead. But like, you're going, man, that's a, I feel good now. Like, good for me, you know, like a little pat on your own back, you know, like that's what has to happen tangibly culturally and for teams. So they can, they can improve that E plus R equals O scenario.
1: Right. And, you know, think about this, you know, championship level teams, the way their mentality is, is that they love to train. They love to be in the weight room. They love to come to practice and it's fun and it's fun for them because they know at the end of the result they are going to win so much like your scenario of I'll, i came to football games and i without shred of doubt we were going to win you know that's just an excellence uh standard set by you know your coaches and i think that confidence comes from the coaches as well you know we can draw out the best training conditioning plans we can draw out the best practice scheme of all time but if we're not instilling that confidence inside athletes We are never going to get the result that we want and what they want.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think a lot of us at WIM, we probably kind of hated practice. (laughs) You know, most, I mean, because that's all we did. We just lined up and we ran and then they hit us. And then the other team we played back then probably ran the football too. So they lined up and we had to hit them. I mean, that's all practice was back then was just, you just busting heads every day. Nowadays it's so different, you know, in the way that they get to practice. But, uh, man, it was just, it all, it all, it all came. You know, the glory came after Friday night when that when that buzzer sounded and and it said forty two to thirteen. You know, like, right. and you're like, okay, on on to the next. You know, like, that's what it was.
1: Yeah, man. And when we talk about like practices, and all like that, I'll tell a quick story and then we'll go to the other piece of um, of individualism. So um, when I was in high school, we were I was a part of a team that was very, very good, like very rich history in football. Football was king. You town was a ghost town on Friday nights because you were at football. I played center. I played offensive line. I was a little bit bigger back then. Um, And what happened was like we get to a rival week, which is a team that was probably 10 minutes from our town. And, you know, big rivals. It was like one of the biggest rivals in the state of Illinois and that week of practice i mean it was absolute hell you i mean it was like week seven week eight we've already got our bodies torn to shreds from other teams i mean we are still on the winning record. i think we're like six and one at at that point but you know we come to rivals week and we're like this is the hardest week of practice we're in the weight room like three times a week uh i mean it was mud it was raining i mean everything but that was probably one of the more memorable practices and we we enjoyed it ourselves because yeah. coaches got into it, and then that helped players get into it, and then we got, you know, we went on Friday night and you know kicked the ass, man. I mean, it it was awesome, man.
0: I think that's another piece too. That's kind of a that's an intangible that I think is um, I, I think I'm always striving to help create in our programs is uh, you want you want that you want to play the best, like you know us our rivals Mus. So I think kids do tend to get a little bit more hyper focused. There in that week, but uh, you know, when you play the McColleys and the Baylor's of the state of Tennessee, and the you know the, those some of those Nashville programs, like when those are on the schedule, those ought to be your like, let's go. You know what I mean? And like that's a mentality though, like that's a shift in identity of just doing competitive things over and over and over again, and 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 partnering it with some adverse situations. Like I wanted to do the hardest thing and the most competitive thing at the same time. And the more I can do that and get a tangible, you know, response out of it, like I can show them, look, it's like I like a good straight bar deadlift. And I don't – I think there's more win in a kid coming up to a, a, a deadlift, pulling it up to about mid-shin, not being able to complete the lift, but keeping his back tight, keeping his, keeping everything engaged, keeping his lats engaged. Like that's just as much of a win to me that they're attempting something they've never attempted and they did everything they could and they they weren't there yet as opposed to a guy getting a, a big lift and, and he loses his technique. Like, I'll take the fail with good technique over that and make sure that I tell them why that's a bigger win. You know, like I, I noticed with girls when I had young ladies, that was a bigger thing with them was like they they had never done it. They, they wanted to do what they were comfortable with, and maybe they would extend out a little bit. But if it was a bigger jump, if it was a 20-pound jump, they, they had a lot of little doubt in their little hearts bless them and so just like getting those young ladies to work through like hey at the end of the day you don't get it like you ain't going to (laughs) disappear you know like you're not going to puff go into a puff of smoke like you're going to be right here and we're going to have an assessment and then we're going to find a plan and we're going to fix it we're going to move on to the next thing and we're going to come back at it again in a week or two and then we're going to get it and then we're going to repeat this process and that's your life right uh and anything that you do okay cool 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 so i've had like some really good stories where we're I mean, I have some videos, man, like where I have these young ladies that are, I have a couple, had a few that were just studs. Like, if you're, if you have a a daughter one day and they're like anything like these young ladies, like you hit a lottery, you did something right in your life. And this one girl was an absolute stud and she was going for 240. I'll text you the video uh, when we get done. And uh, maybe I can find it, Uh, but uh, she's going for 240. And, again, absolute stud of a girl. And I'm going to send it to you as, as, as we talk. She's an absolute stud. And, and before she goes for the, the lift, she, she's kind of got doubt in her heart. And she goes, what if I don't get it? <laughs> and I'm like, like, I knew. I knew this wasn't what she wasn't going to get. Right? So the simple story to her was like, um, I just walked up to her and I just kind of said, "You know, Morgan, that's not how we start anything in our life. It's a struggle for everybody, but that's not how we're going to start this process. If you don't get it, I got your back. They got your back. We'll get it next time." And she absolutely obliterates it. And that's the other very like profound thing that I just sent you. That's the most profound thing that I've noticed with girls, boys, really everybody especially like my boys at Christian brothers is like, they'll put these certain things on a pedestal and have this perception like they're going to fail. And then they do it and they dominate it like no, like just bam, like nail it. Perfect. And I'm like, let's put this in perspective. You was going to settle here. All right. And we just took you here. And you blew here out of the water and you were going to settle for this. That's a, that's like a everyday fight. Like that needle don't move forward and stay forward. Like you have to push that needle every single day because that's just human. That's just negativity in the world. We breathe that crap in and like we breathe the negativity in and we just, we can't push this needle of like self doubt out. That's why it's cool to be on a team. That's why it's great to have navigation cues to remind you that hey, remember what we did yesterday? Like the Navy sells us uh, only easy day was yesterday. Reminder that today's going to be a new hard day. But guess what? Yesterday we it was an easy day. Oh, well, that we did this yesterday. Yeah, well that was the easy day. And they get this in their mind where they're like, you know what I mean? Like, but they tell each other every day, hey, do something challenging. We got you. You know, like this is this is the circle you know, for them. That's why they're elite. You know, that's why other programs are not, Our entities are not elite. So.
1: Oh yeah, man. It's also a pride of ownership too. Like yeah. I'm going to smash this weight. I'm going to do it for my team. I'm going to do it because coach believes in me because my team believes in me. And, you know, it's, we often do get time, you know, we get lost in like, you know, the metrics and the science behind the strength and conditioning and the reps and stuff like that. But at some point, you know, it's best just to get off the chain and just go, man.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, I think there's more, more fruit in some of the things that we can do in our profession that I don't know. I can always, I mean, I'm sure there's some science to it somewhere, but there's things that I do that I'm just like, I don't know where the science falls on this one, but uh, here's what I know. Here's what I know is coming from this. I had a conversation with Connor Hughes, who's the director of strength for Army football, uh a while back. And I was telling him, because we get talking, and man, it's like it's like tennis. Like we get we both get our voices get into that gravelly area, and it's like, I'm excited. I'm out here like and uh you know, people that watch me talk on the phone or something, they're like, God, and I get off the phone and they're like, dude, who is you mad at? I'm like. I wasn't mad at nobody, man. I was just getting fired up. But, like, I remember telling him, like, dude, I do. We were talking about Zercher squats or something, but I was like, man, I don't know sometimes the science behind this, 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 and this. I mean, I I believe it's there based on this, but I'm like, dude, I do it because this is just what needs to get done because I like the response that comes from it. As long as they're in a good movement pattern and it's safe, like, those two boxes are non negotiable to always have to be checked. But, you know, I'm going to get what I need mentally out of it or neurologically out of it. Like there is a thing to that, you know, like like you, you can build some mental toughness or let's say some mental, like awareness. Maybe we can use that. That's a very woke way of saying it, you know, like awareness, like people need to be aware that they have toughness inside of them and you all, we all do, you know, it's like, uh, what's that quote? You don't know how strong you have to be until strength's your only choice, you know, like, Lose a few people, bury a few people, and then tell me how strong you got to be. You're going to fold or you're going to get stronger. Period. There is no in between. So. <laughs> uh,
1: hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. <laughs> all right. So let's kind of shift gears and go to the individualism part of a culture because it happens. It's going to happen. You know, yep. if you set out that we're going to wear all black on Friday and a kid white wears white shorts or a white t-shirt or whatever you know it happens every it happens to every team so how do you even address that from a culture standpoint because I, I believe that strength coaches are the most influential people on a staff you are with the kids a lot you go through the hardships that they go through you're there every day how do you even address individualism and especially when a kid tries you because it's going to happen
0: well, I think uh, the whole kid trying. We'll go reverse. You know, a lot of that is you, you do. You have to earn their. It depends on if it's a boy, it's a girl. You got to earn their respect. And a lot of the ways that I think I found that that's important. A lot of important things that I've done that that helps with that is I do this thing uh, called like a, a one-on-one interview questionnaire or personality questionnaire, and it's about six questions, and I'll ask them like like I'll I will do that. We start football tomorrow. So the, the journey begins and I will do that this week. Uh, and so it'll be a part of their daily requirement. They do this questionnaire. Uh, it's part of their SWOT points. So they get points for doing it. They don't get points if they don't. Uh, probably will get a deduction of points if they don't do this particular questionnaire. And so I ask them what's the most? Uh, who's the most influential person in their life. You know, what's uh, what's their phone number so I can reach out to that person if I ever want to? Um, What's the most adverse thing they've ever dealt with in their life? What's the hardest thing they've ever had to deal with? Okay, Uh, and that's an interesting question because it's interesting how they perceive the question. Is it characteristic driven or is it a moment? It's big, big to understand that if you do this questionnaire, it's big to understand. Are they defining it as a moment in their life or like a characteristic? I'll ask them. Just, you know, because since it's high school, I'll say, who's your favorite you know, or even college? Like, who's your favorite professor or teacher? Um, and then I'll say, you know, like, if you could do anything with our high school kids, I'll go, if you could do anything in the world from a college standpoint, you go any college, do anything there, what would that be and where would you go? And then I asked them uh, to tell me, <laughs> like, uh, one super random fact that really very, very few people, if anybody knows about you. OK, so let's unpack a little bit of that because you're talking about individuality. And if you have these tools and you're in your, you know, if you have this information, a lot of the like my my big my big claim uh, to. Um, I don't like to say the word claim to fame, but like like my big claim to like what I do, I think I do the best is like I like the broken wings. I call them the broken wings, like the little um, the little smaller kid that that just – everybody's like, he's just a little runt or whatever. Like, we got a kid named William Bryant that is – he's got a unique nickname. (laughs) He's got a really funny nickname, i have to tell you that uh, (laughs) another time. But, like, and a lot of people call him by his nickname, which is funny too. But uh, nevertheless, like, he was – man, he might have been a buck 25 soaking wet when I got to Christian Brothers and uh, could probably do the bar and maybe a 10 and a 5. That little joker's pushing one forty you know on the bench right now like he's he's about a buck fifty I mean like I got a before and after with him and coach you got my i mean like he's is he gonna help us in football I, I mean probably not you know I don't know I mean I don't know this kid's future I, I'm not a football coach it's not my choice, but physically he's helped himself a lot and it's helped his confidence in his heart and um but I say that because, like, between those kind of kids and then, like, the kid that's just the knucklehead, you know, I like them kind of kids. I like the broken wings of the world. I like the one – I had a kid at Middletown uh, named Asa that um, everybody was like, the baseball coach was like, man, you got to – he's got a lot of potential. But, man, he's – and then insert all the characteristics that you hear in all the places. That kid, if I told that kid to go build me a TP on the interstate, he would go build me a TP on the interstate. And a lot of it was I put him in leadership roles. I try to understand what his goals were. I I can relate to that kid. I see that kid in myself as a teenager. I get what he went through a little bit, so I don't have to ask those adverse questions. But all that being said, those bad eggs and those outlying athletes are not as outlying as they want. They're just screaming for a different kind of attention. And sometimes we don't have time for that crap. And so they have to know that. You know, they have to know, like, I'm not here to play that game today. And that's my thing is I'll kind of spaz a little bit, you know, like, you know, I'll go a little, little cray-cray a little bit, and then they kind of know, like, and I'll tell them. And then the bottom line of that is, look, if you don't want to do it the way it needs to be done, then leave. Like, I ain't going to – I'm not going to force a round peg into a, uh, you know, a, a, a rectangular hole. I'm not going to do that. Like, if you don't want to do it the way it's being asked to be done, then you can leave. You're going to I'm going to move the distraction out. I'm not going to I'm not going to let it sit there and be a cancer. I'm just going to get it out. Then I might come back and, and I'm going to come back to it later and go, bro. What's up, man? You know, but in this moment when I've got, you know, it's 615 and, and it's 614 and you ain't doing what I asked you to do. I'm not going to sit here and have court in this breezeway before we go train. Like you're going to leave or you're going to get on the bus, period. There's not an option that that's the standard, right? Um, so again, back to that questionnaire. You know, like it's it's this big thing that like you get to, like I get this whole report and I just kind of read through them, and then I know things, you know, and then I'll circle back to a kid and go, hey man, well, you know, and I'll just touch on certain things, and uh, I'll just see if they want to share, it. and that's that's you know that's where I kind of find that outlier. I find how they define adversity in their little teenage mind. I also find out what their most – their biggest goal is. And Scott Cochran, I like that guy. I don't know where everybody – I like that guy. I like some of the things that he said when he was at Alabama. And he talked about doing something – like he would meet with the guys. Granted, if you're the head guy at a college and you got 120, 130 guys, it's still a challenge to get with the time frame. Like it's kind of a challenge to meet those guys. Uh, but. Uh, um, that, you know, a lot of those really good spring guys do, they, they sit down, they meet with their guys and figure things out. And I remember he talked about like how he, you know, he'd meet with guys and once he figured out what their goal was and he really knew what they really, really want, not what they thought they wanted, but what they really wanted. He's like, I got him, I got him. You know what I mean? Like, and that's the thing. Once you figure out what they really want, not what they think, like high school kids think they won't go play college football, think they won't go play college sports. That ain't what they really want. They want some degree of glory, appreciation, and, like, identity. Because they don't – I mean, we there's too many kids that we see that, like, they don't got the effort to, to meet that standard. But they say that's what they want. And if you're pushing them on this, uh, you want to go play college, but that's not really what they want, you, you just – you're shooting at the left side of the goal every time. So you got to dig a little deeper there. And you gotta, you got to read some people. I think more strength coaches would benefit themselves by reading books on reading people. You know, i got a handful of books just like that over here because when I was a cop, that was kind of one of my big obsessions was, like, uh, uh, reading people. You know, i got this one right here. I know what you're thinking. <laughs> and uh, that's what we deal with every day. We deal with people every day, people that have their own internal motivations, their own fears. You know, and our job is to turn them into essentially a controllable weapon safely, right? Like, like, but on that field of competition, like, can I help you control what's inside of here long enough that you go take all this physical goodness that you've got working for you? Cause there's a lot of people that have that like studs and then they just, they can't get this one right. You know what I mean? So like that questionnaire is a real big help to, to just keeping that stuff at bay. Like I don't have a ton of that. And then it's non-negotiable when it happens, you know, and that's, 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 it's kind of that simple really, to be honest with you, you know, now your biggest challenge comes from, I can hold that standard in the weight room, but if they get away with it in the, in the, in the sport, that's where, that's where your culture suffers. But that's a that's above the sport coach and the strength coach pay grade. That's a that's a administrative aligning. Hey, let's all get on the same page here. Kind of deal, too. You know, like and that's where high school kind of ebbs and flows on places that are gonna be like versus places that are gonna be like up and down.
1: Dude, let's go back to when you were talking about like almost having these athletes become Controllable weapons or controllable athletes because I've never I'll, I'll be honest with you. I did never heard of that before But you know, I think about it and you know, there's always these athletes that are gifted They are just freaks man and you know They can throw up five hundred six hundred back squats and you know throw all the weights on the weight room But when they get out to the field of court, they suck <laughs> And what you're talking about there how to like get to where they're controlled in their mind so when they go to the field, the court, whatever, you know, they're able to do the things that we want them to do with the abilities that they have and been progressed in the weight room as well.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's the that's that's really the thing of you got to unpack them. Like a lot of people go, hey, here's here's Billy. Here's face value stud. Oh, man, Dude. stud. I mean, that's what Billy heard all his life. He's stud. Like he's just praised. You know, like one of the things I did when I was at Notre Dame because I saw this happen a lot. We had this guy named uh, (laughs) I won't say his name because, you know, those guys. But like there's this dude that as a strength coach, we we have these. I don't know if all strength coaches do, but I do. Like I have this weird thing where I like you see a dude that's put together. Or, you know, even a female athlete's like put together. and You're like, yeah, you know, like it's like it's like a it's like a car guy. Seeing like a hot rod and going, Yeah, boy, they put that one together. Like, like you know what I mean? It's not like a weird thing, but it's just like a that is a thing. Like that is a a thoroughbred, like that's a horse right there, man. Like, you know, like, and this dude was that, like stud. I mean, five point six percent body fat, six, two and a half, 225, I mean, effortless, like four thirty, boom. Boom. I mean, and he just he just went about it it's just so you know, like, like uh, I love the, uh, my favorite movie, Shawshank Redemption. And he and, uh, he, he, defined, he, he says, uh, Andy Dufresne, he said a lot of guys didn't like o Andy Dufresne because he walked around like a man, like a stroll in the park without a care or a worry in the world. You know, like, he, this guy was kind of the same way, man. He strolled in there. He did what Coach Bayless made him do, and he was a stud. And that was the kicker of it, right? He's a stud. And all his life, people pat him on the back and go, you're a stud. Uh, I did not do that. I would talk crap. I would, I would polite. I would be like, I'm like, dang dude, I didn't know he was going to make it today. I didn't know he was going to show up. <laughs> i just like, and he, like, he knew, like I was, ch- or like, he would eat like four muffins every day. At the- I go, how you look like that to eat muffins? So like, you a big muffin eating joker. Like I would just, I would just bust his chops, you know, like, and it all, 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 you know, just cause I could tell, like when he walked into that room and guys were like, man, big man, looking good today. You're a st- he just—he was so over that. He was over it, you know. And at the end of the day, who's he gonna? as Stud as he is, is he gonna be that stud whenever the darkest moment strikes? So, I think a lot of the those really good potential athletes is you really got to unpack. You know where where their weaknesses. I mean, this is an alpha male thing too. You get in a room full of a bunch of macho, bearded, bald, street guys. You start letting the you start letting the spirits flow and you're going to find some insecurities really fast. But when you walk into that room, you're going, (laughs) you know, like everybody's trying to like posture, you know, but there's so much insecurity in that room and that's fine. That's just vulnerability and good teams and good athletes and good coaches have to figure out where's that athlete the most vulnerable at, pull it out, let them know, look, look, I got my issues, you got your issues, but we're going to work on that thing. And uh, so when we talk about those Tarzans of the world, like they got some insecurities. The thing that they're confident in it's just like, it's just like they're, they're physical, they look good in the mirror. So they they may not like to work, they may hate to work. And I may hate to work or like, I may hate to eat healthy. I may love eating them Oreo, the Oreos and milk. When I look in the mirror and say I got a 27 pack. And my shoulders is about to explode outside of my body. Like, it's hard for me mentally to, to go, what's wrong with these Oreos? You know, like it's hard for me to process that. Same thing for that athlete that looks in that mirror and goes, I'm a stud. But I gotta work hard. You know what I mean? Like eventually they will understand it, but it'll be too late. Like I've had I've had some studs tell me that, like some good looking athletes, wrestlers and whatnot go that I've I had challenge like really getting them to. I would be like, look, you're doing enough. You're doing enough to get by. You're not doing enough to excel. And you got to figure out how to how to un- unpack that for yourself. And then they come back three, four years later, and they're like, man, I really wish I would have, really wish I would have like done that thing. Like, I really wish I would have locked in and you know, done better. It's <laughs> part of being a teenager, though. You know, like, you know, we're trying to help you. And maybe I should my 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 mentality accountability on it is I should have done better. I should have found a different way to get the message through to them. So that's the degree as a strength coach when you especially if you're at a high school setting where you got four, five hundred, six hundred kids. It's a matter of how much time are you going to invest in in those those athletes that are physically like different they do merit a little bit degree of effort. I mean, even if it's give everybody else what they need and then you got to spend a little bit more time and make your day a little longer or get there a little earlier or go in on a weekend to get those guys where those guys need to be or spend some time with those guys. Then that's, that's just the next level to the process. Some people don't want to do that level. Some do,
1: you know? Absolutely, man. And uh, I love that you, you know, you tell the big guy, you know, man, how are you going to be eating muffins a little like, you know, that, you know, uh, telling some of those athletes that, I mean, it also breaks up kind of that monotony for them. They, you know, they get told that they're stud, they get told that they're D1 bound and that's the an issue with it in itself because that, that, you know, ca- that can almost cause some false narratives for the kid, you know, he believes he's D1, he's 150 pounds and five foot, like. You yeah. know it, it. You know it. You know it's just right. a situational thing like that. Um, kind of last piece to this, I want to talk about accountability, because you know we talk about individualism, we talk about you know different things about your culture. Now the thing is accountability, setting your standards, and you know not backing away from that, because you know it, kids will push you, and they'll they'll see how far they'll they'll go right you know they're they're going to see how much they can get away with so what is your process to enforcing accountability into a team setting because you know again kids kids are going to see how far they can get
0: well that's true and, and it's funny you say that and again teach their own i've heard a lot of just kind of phrase it that way too and again again it's a teach their own kind of deal when i took the job at middletown i remember I was, me and a buddy of mine, when he had helped me move up there, and uh, we were driving, I was showing him the school, and uh, we got stopped by the school SRO, and uh, he was like, you know, what are y'all doing here, blah, 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 and I told him what, who I was, and then we got to talking about this, that, and the other, and I was like, yeah, man, I got a standard, and this, that, and, and I remember this, this, I mean, again, this is a police officer, he's at this school, he deals with these kids, and of course, he deals with the knucklehead kids of the knucklehead kids, and he deals with them in a, uh retroactive like he does them after the fact like he does with them after they've done knucklehead things and it's all he's all he's just response guy he's just a response guy really and I remember him telling me man these kids ain't gonna do that they ain't gonna they ain't gonna stand on that line they're not gonna put the weights back the way like I remember them just being like I remember him going why why would you come here you know like and again like I could send you pictures of this school the facilities I had I mean like so as a strength coach, I had the resources I needed. I had the athletes that I needed. I mean, like they weren't developed really. Like again, you go and look at an athlete, and you go traps, butt, back, hamstrings. Like I can tell you a high school that's done it right, and their kids look right, and then a place that's just been training. Uh, and then same thing with culture. With when things get tough, right? Like so, to me, Middletown wasn't going to be an overnight success. But to me, it was this sleeping giant. I still to this day believe that. It's a sleeping giant. It's a a program that if, you know, a couple of years of developing them mentally, starts to shift and everybody kind of gets aligned in that process. Once it takes off, it's going to take off and then ain't going to look back. But you got to get through that cultural like doubt that was like, it was eroded through the entire school to be fair. I mean, it was a beautiful brand new school. I just they just moved over to this new building. Teachers were great. It was just a lot of we used to be great. I'm like, you have the awesome this this basketball ring is awesome. This the football stadium is incredible. Two weight rooms. I mean, like, couldn't ask for more, uh, resource wise, other than bodies and people with the right mindsets. But so, but going back to like accountability, so again, like. I create like them little bitty stigmas and a lot of coaches do have these things. Like, again, mine is they have to wait behind the the door. Like you might've seen some things on Instagram where I got them running in the doorway. Like that's a, that's a whole mental piece. Like everywhere I've been, that's where it's been. And it, and I've had to figure out what's that staging point. You know, at at one school when I was at Ohio state, they didn't have it to work. Like you had to go upstairs. So there was a door. And you kind of had to wait in the stairway, So it was really like a risky deal because like you couldn't really prop the door open. But what they really got obsessed with me doing was and it was an older building. So I get away with this. I don't recommend this for everybody. And some people are going to think this is uh, asinine, but who cares? Kids loved it. It was awesome. So I would like run and kick the door open. <laughs> like that's what I did. Now, I would be like I would go out and be like, you all ready? They'll be like, yeah, and i would be like, all right, y'all got to back up, and so, like, the funniest thing is, like, you would think, like, football guys or wrestlers or your, some of your baseball guys would be like, yeah, let's, let's kick the door open. You know who the team that, like, loved it the most was? The Swimmers. Loved it. Loved it. They were, they were just – they just were a bunch of, like, uh, I don't know, they were just tremendous kids, like, tremendous kids, and they just wanted somebody to pour into them and demand the same from them that was demanded of football. And that's the standard for me. I don't care who you are. Everything's going to be the same. And I'm going to be a little more psychotic with football most likely than I am with say other sports, because it's psychological. It's a different element, right? Like there's some, some sports, it's a little bit more cerebral, but I run and like kick the door open. And they'd be like, I could hear him out there whispering, he's going to do it. And he's like, it just made their day. right? But the principle of that was, is like, uh, you know, you stay behind this line when you come in, they know the warm up like I create a warm up that they learn and they know it's not new every day. It's a lot of functional movement stuff. It's things that I can create assessments on where their hips are. Um, <clears throat> and so there's a staging process of that, like where they wait at the door and they have to wear the right colors. So when we talk about accountability, what what happens first? If Like, let's just say we're a school that's uh, like we're purple and gold. And a kid walks up wearing red. Well, you tell them, don't wear these colors, blah, 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 okay? When that kid walks up wearing red, you can, this is where you can see tangible grades like, are we at an A plus right now? Are we at a C plus? I'm holding our, our, being accountable. Kid walks up wearing red, and some kid kind of goes, hey, dude. You know, but everybody else doesn't really say anything. Hey, man, you're not supposed to have one red. Like one kid says something. Okay, you're probably at a C plus. At least somebody was aware of it. But when a kid walks up wearing red and everybody's like, oh, hey, dude, like everybody's like, dude, you got on red. Like they're freaking out a little bit. Like they're taking it personally. Like, oh, God, man, you got – dude, he's going to be so mad. <laughs> like, and I don't even get mad about it. Like I don't, I don't get mad about it. It's just we're not red. We're not red. We're not going to show up on Friday night wearing a red jersey. Why would we practice or train that way? I, I don't, you'll never, no one will ever convince me that. Never, never convince me of that. No coach on the planet will be like, Coach, it doesn't really matter what they practice in. That's fine. That's your opinion. And I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. You can believe that. You will never convince me of that one. We need to be a team, period. That's how I believe. And I'm rooted in that. And when you give them that standard, they start to get into it a little bit. They start to take ownership of it, right? That's accountability. You've got to give them tangible, visible things that they can see that they're being accountable for something. And then what do you do as a coach when they recognize that? The first thing I do whenever they wear the wrong color and a kid recognizes is I don't say nothing to the kid wearing the red. I say something to the kid that recognizes. Oh, hey, that's what, hey, that's what you're supposed to do. Dap them up. Hey, that's right. Did y'all notice that? He's noticed this. That's awesome. I'm going to give them an attaboy on what we want. Right. And then we're going to be like, I'll be like, it depends on the kid. If they're new, if I hadn't seen them, and I'd be like, yeah, we don't wear red. Like, I have a, a little camp I do. You might have seen some of these videos in my little Kickstart camp. It's just a specialty thing that I do. And uh, the camp kids, I don't force that rule upon them because they're from all different schools. They don't go to Christian Brothers yet. They're, they're probably going to come to Christian Brothers. I just want those kids to know that this is. A fun experience. Now they do have to put the weight room back. They still have to wait at the door before they come in, but like, I don't, I'm not going to oppose them to like buy purple or wear. It's just a, it's just a non-negotiable. I don't really worry about that one there. Nevertheless, a lot of my freshman athletes that were in the kickstart last year and I've had this whole year. And so they've had nothing but this standard, and this process, right? I was in my, I was in there by my desk and I saw these kids coming in for the kickstart and there was like 50 of them or whatever, 40, I don't know. I mean, it was like 40, whatever. And this one kid, bless his heart, he's a good kid. He walks up and has a a MUS shirt on That's a rival. Okay. Like I don't impose colors upon that group, but you can't roll up with the rival shirt on. You know what I mean? Like if you're in LA and you're in Crip territory, And that's where the best tacos are. If you want to go get the best tacos, you don't get to wear red to go get the best tacos. You better put some blue on or something like white, neutral color. I don't know. That's just understandable, I would think. And so this poor kid walks up with the MUS shirt on. And and all the kids, like all these little Kickstart kids and then all my freshmen, which I had like five or six of them, helping me out. They came back the next year to help out at Kickstart um, because they're kind of ingrained in the process. And all I also heard him was going, oh, dude, dude, you got to, you can't wear an MUS shirt, bro. Like they were like losing it. Like they were losing it. And like this one kid comes in, he's a funny kid. name's Brady. He goes walking in, he goes, coach. He was so serious. It's so funny. He's like, coach. He was like shaking his hand. Like he was really distraught. He's like, we got a problem. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, what, what, what is it, man? He's like, He's, he's like, he didn't want to tell me, you know, like, you got bad news for your boss or something. He's like, uh, we got a kid out here with an MUS shirt on. <laughs> like It was like so corny, like how he acted. It was so corny. But like, that was something like in that moment, I had, I had to go like, I had to go with adhere to that moment. Right. So I was like, yeah, man. So I got, a, I got the kid a shirt. I was like, here's a, here's a Christian brother shirt. Here you go. Your shirt. Like, I usually don't say anything, but you can't wear an MUS shirt. Like, come on, bro. Like, you didn't know. It's cool, whatever. You know, I nap him up, he's good. But that's like that's part of you talk about accountability, right? So, you know, there's that piece. I make our kids do like if they if they don't hit, hit one of these standards, they have to have to do what's called a reminder. So it's three burpees. So like when we put our weight room back, like it's really particular. Like I am, like it's like this, not this, but like this. Everything. I have pictures of how I want it. I have it listed on the wall in multiple places. Like I'm not stopping you for speeding and you don't know the speed limit. Like I'm going to tell you exactly what it is to the to the T. And then here's the consequence of this. So if a 45-pound plate is slightly turned to the left, it's reminder times 45, or a reminder is pre-burpee. So it's three times 45. So they got to do 135 as a team. And the big thing to you talk about accountability is. It's not here's the rules, do it, suck it up. It's here's why you have to do it. So the whole thing about the the plate being slightly off is I always ask them, I always tell them why we do these things like here's why we look like a team. Here's why we stand behind the door. We want to get our mind right. And there's another piece to that one too. Here's why we put the weight room back to this degree. Because when we're done at the end of the day, we've, we've accomplished our task so we thought. It's not over until we finish the day. Did we stay engaged in that? We're up by 40 points, but did we stay engaged in the game to the end? Did we cheer on the second, third string? You know, did we leave our locker room at our away site better than we found it? That's all part of a a championship culture. And I asked them, too. I said, you know, like, that that much, it was off by that much. Is that a big deal? Socratic. They're like, they're going to go, because you're the coach, they're going to go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then what am I going to ask why why is that a big deal a lot of times then they look at you like they don't know and i'll say well can we lose a game by a point yep can we lose a race by a hundredth of a second yep so little things definitely matter right like we could do everything in our power and lose by that much one play so everything that we want to do is hyper focused on that one little detail but over and over and over and over and over again. Which for a teenager in today's society with a smartphone and everything going on, gotten them going like this, we need to find a moment where we can get them to kind of go, check, check, check. You know what I mean? Get them laser focused. And I tell them like, if I see you, I have body language rules. Like you can't cross your arms, you can't lean or slouch, or you can't sit down if it's not part of the um, the workout. <laughs> And I'll say, if I see it, it's a reminder. So it's just three burpees. I don't make it something egregious so they can be all, you know, poopy-pantsed about it. But uh, I say, now, if a teammate catches you crossing your arms or sitting or me, it's one. So I want to make the reward of the, the, the accountability to be better if a teammate holds you accountable to it than me. Because they're going to be more likely – they're going to see you when we're not around anyway. Culture coaches when no one's around but you have to coach culture enough that they will do it, that they will coach when no one's around. So when we're not in the locker room, how many kids are going, Hey, get your stuff up off the floor. Like you have to give them enough tangible things to motivate that response. Because again, our kids nowadays, I hate that phrasing, but like they don't do real, they don't do as well with a kid going, Hey, do this. We're, we're more adversarial about that. Like, oh, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, so you've got to teach them how to take criticism from a peer. And then you've got to teach the peer how to give good criticism. You know, like, I, uh, Coach Crawford reminds me of this all the time. And I, I, I say this to our teams and then I forget. But, like, I hate it when they tell each other to shut up. Like, when they're loud and they're like, shut up, shut up. And so, like, I try to explain to them, like, hey, let's just say lock in. It's not as adversarial. We don't mind adversity, but, like, that's your teammate. We're not trying to, we're not trying to like disband them. We're trying to redirect them. It's navigation cue. So like when we talk about accountability, that's a big thing for, for me, you know, I've gotten to the point now, as I progress. this is the last note here is our football guys. When I bring them into the room, I brief them. I'll tell them based on the lift where they're starting. So if I don't set the lift up, depending on what the lift is, I'll have them, They'll know where they're starting and I'll say, here's what you do when you come in the weight room. So I call my warm-up attack today. I want them to come in and do the warm-up. I don't want to have to, after I teach them how to do it, I don't want anything to do with it. I want them to own it. Well, I add a different step as you go on down that process and I'll say, Hey, well, here's what we start out with today. You're here, you're here, you're here. When you come in, the first thing you do is put your first setup. Put your fix your rack, put your first setup. You've got exactly 45 seconds to do that. So you come running in, you got to get bench set up. The rack's over here, got to come in and get squat, set up, whatever. And then the leader will take over the warmup, okay? And he'll run through the whole warmup, right? And I just kind of sit back and observe. So So you got to imagine this. This team's waiting at the door. I've briefed them. I've told them what I expect from them for that day. And then I blow that whistle, play that tune, blow that whistle. They come running in, and they go right to work. They go right to a task at hand. Bam, bam, putting the racks together, boom. One kid's like, all right, here we go. You know, A-series hops, bam. They go right into it. It's constant. As soon as they walk the door, they led that process. Now it gets to one more final step, and this is this. I've tried to tell them, you're doing a fine job of coming in and starting the process, but you're still going through the motions. You have to correct it if it's not right. So getting them now to go, one of our kids did this the other day. They weren't doing I do bodyweight squats every day just to visit the pattern. They weren't doing it right. Kids, stop them. That ain't how we do it. That ain't how we do it. Do it over. So when you get a culture of kids where you can go, here's the plan, go. And they run in, they set it up, and they do it. Because that's the big thing. We want our teams and our athletes to own the process and do it to our standard, not just do it. Um, do they run the warm-up right? If a kid's not doing it, can well, he needs to do it. Do they say something to him about it? Then when they're training, are they coaching each other up? Do you hear them say the things that you say a billion times? um and uh when they get done do they put the weight room back the way they need to do it and then the last thing that i have our kids do every single day uh is an after action review typically that's just me going hey this is what we did today hey guys you worked really hard today we got to get a little better x y and Z." uh nevertheless we're moving the needle you know or maybe it's a it's a culture talk about competition something every day i'm rambling about something because if i say hundred thousand things like i said today if you just get one thing out of that that could be an impactful thing and you don't know how many times you've got to shoot before you're going to stick that right thing where it needs to go like until you're going to hit that bullseye and that's what we're aiming for i'm aiming for the bullseye and the bullseye is the thing that i say that impacts that kid forever so i'm just going to keep shooting them arrows till i get good at it you know um But I have them do the after-action review. And then what I want to do is I I tell them and I remind them, like, this is your team. I'm trying to show you how to be a leader. But I'm not going to get to be on the field with you. I'm not going to get to be uh, on the court with you. Um, So at the end of the day, it's up to you. And um, I turn the after-action review over to them. So once I get to a point in my weight room where – I can brief them really, honest truth would be, I brief them at the beginning of the lift and then I blow that whistle and I could basically leave. I don't, but I like, I could leave and it it runs to the standard and the intensity that I want it to. That's when I know I got it where I want it. And our football program is just now, like we're just now getting the, to that point. Now we're going to indoctrinate some of our, our uh, spring sport kids into that plan and we're going to have to make sure that that all gets brought to speed. But a lot of our SWAT leaders, we're with us all off season. So I, I, it'll be interesting to see how these things, how it goes tomorrow, you know, like, so, um, but that's in a long story short, that's, that's my piece on accountability too.
1: Man, that's awesome, Cody. Um, you know, when we're taught in education classes, right, we're taught that student led discussions and student led, you know, classrooms, lead to more engagement lead to more um, you know meaningful conversations inside a classroom. Same applies for the weight room as well because you're sitting here it's like okay we got this, we got this we got this here, we're here's the standard here's the accountability and you're having kids say, hey take out that shirt you know right. coach gonna coach is gonna uh, lose it you know that's something that's a I, I guess a plus to your program something that says we're heading in the right direction man that's completely awesome uh so we're going to wrap things up here um i want to go through this last segment here and then we can start wrapping things up so usually when we end episodes we have a coach spotlight so do you want to shout out anyone that um is making the impact in the field of training conditioning or just someone that's made impact on you
0: man yeah i mean you wouldn't be where you are you wouldn't I heard this quote one time, and it was uh, essentially everybody that you blame and everybody you give credit for, you got to give both. You know, you got to take both in and in, in the heart because uh, they both shape and form you. Um, but I mean, my a buddy of mine, Adam Matala, again, very similar in some ways, very different in other ways, and and the and the things that he does really well for me is kind of keep. He just keeps this train on the tracks from time to time because. Uh, He's a little bit more level-headed in his thought process he does a good job he just he, he's at Covington Catholic in Kentucky he a big go on the talk to um, I always uh, reach out to Mike Winkler that's a good buddy of mine Big Mike stay deep uh, that's my boy out of Hoban. he's got a he is the uh, what do you say he is the he's kind of a he's kind of the standard I mean he's what he's done with this program at Holbin. Uh, and he got some dudes, but, I mean, it's just systematic. They they breed his persona. I mean, big dog, big dog walks in, r- grizzly voice. Uh, and then those kids just dominate. And, I mean, his his is beast mode. And they do. They beast mode some people, too. I mean, give them props for props, too. Uh, and uh, then, you know, like I said, I, I have a really good uh, circle of people with me right now, Christian Brothers, that at the end of the day, outside of, say, strength and conditioning, I found that as I've gotten older, that you need to have people in your circle that can help you do certain kinds of reflection. Like, can you see yourself in one person in ten years? You know, we got a coach, a Johnny Allen. He's on my, our staff, and I could, It's like, like I feel like I'm Johnny, but Johnny's ten years ahead of me, and so I, I see a lot of myself in Johnny, and, and vice versa. And so, like, it, it just allows me to kind of go, okay, how do how do I be a better version of that? You know, because that's really what we want to do. Like, if you have a kid, you want them to emulate you, be influenced by you, but then you want them to figure out how to be the better version. So when you can recognize that in another, uh, I think that's incredibly important. Coach Crawford, who's a uh, head football coach at Brentwood High School for a long time, really good football coach. He's our defensive coordinator. And, um, man, I couldn't say enough about that guy. I think that's the blessing. I, I buried my stepdad about five years ago and then, my real dad, about three years ago, and, you know, Coach Crawford kind of plays this mentor-type role for me that, like, I probably needed at this point in my life. I think when I was up north, I struggled with that a lot, just kind of being up there grinding. And I did this podcast the other day, and the guy asked me, if you're not coaching, what do you do? What are your hobbies? And, like, dude, I was speechless because this is what I do. This is what I think about. Like when I talk about, obs- I have an obsessive personality and some people may be like, Oh, that's, that's great. It is. And it isn't, you know what I mean? Like it, 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 it is. And it isn't. And so like having a mentor type person like coach Crawford there to talk about any walk of life, which I've never really had from a male figure is oh man, the degree of value that that has. I couldn't put a number on it. Right. And he's he's tremendous. I mean, you could talk to that guy just about anything. I mean, he did strength and conditioning for Brentwood for years. I mean, he's done it. He's the he's the, he's the football coach that's had to do it. And he, he ain't just in there just doing bigger, faster, stronger. Like, he's learning and figuring it out. And, I mean, him and Coach McDaniel both have done it. And so we all, like, share podcasts. Or, hey, did you see that? Like, so, like, there's a degree of me learning – uh, to be better at what I'm doing just from those people in that room. And then Coach McDaniel, again, another one. Again, I like how he goes about his business. You know, direct people are my favorite people on the planet. <laughs> you know, like, just save the labor. Get that baby out. You know, like, that's kind of the thing. So I would say those people. uh buddy of mine, Daniel Wedding, that's another good one, too. He's down at uh, Savannah Christian. We We're good. I mean we're he's a good guy to knock knock ideas off of uh and then again, the last guy I'll say is uh well man, there's so many Dalton you talk to Dalton Pearson, he's a good one, that's my boy, and and then the last one I would go with would be Connor Hughes, just because at Army, just because like a lot of those college a lot of guys at the college level get caught up in being at the college level um and either impugn the fact that someone's at a high school level, like it can't be as elite uh, or it's not as efficient or I don't know. I, I get a vibe about it, to be honest, kind of an impugned vibe sometimes. Uh, but I think that's a guy that just gets it in general. You know, he just gets it. And if I text that dude right now, and we've only had a few conversations, but if I text him right now with some kind of quandary of an issue, that dude's gonna give me a full-fledged answer. So, any person that has that trait, where you're just willing to help somebody else develop, and you don't really got to know them well, man. That's a that's a man. I'll run through a wall for that guy, and I'll I'll, I'll lay in the road for him too. So, uh, that guy is uh, tremendous.
1: Awesome, man. And you know there are some great people out there, but you highlight a few guys out there and a few coaches out there that. Really do make the difference in this field, in this, you know, industry. I talked to Dalton not too long ago about the uh, situation over here, man. And, you know, he we were sitting on the phone for a couple of hours, you know, can't say good enough things about him. Uh, coach Hughes down at Army, man, he's putting out some great content. And he's also, you know, always willing to help out. And I've heard some great things about that coach as well, so. Really awesome stuff there, man. Well, I want to thank you, Cody, for being on here, man, being on this podcast. I know we kind of chit chatted, you know, spro- you know, kind of sporadically throughout since when, like March, yeah. February, so- something like that. Um, but you know, man, it- it's great to you know talk to you and you know put a name to a face. Now, yeah, uh, you know, sometimes you know I don't get to see all the social media. You're right. Um, you know, you post a lot with your athletes, just like that. You know, and uh, it's it's just great to talk to you and, you know, connect with you, man. Yeah,
0: buddy. I appreciate you, dude.
1: Absolutely. And that's another episode of the Conjugate Chats. Please follow our social media platforms at Conjuka Chat Podcast on Twitter TikTok. Also, follow Cody and uh, Christian Brothers on their social medias as well. In the name of strength, stay strong and have a day today. And before we end this episode here, I wanted to bring the light to something. Um, most people on here are either strength coaches or aspiring strength coaches. Um, for those that are aspiring strength coaches out there, um, I set up a Gumroad account, a uh, store even, to provide value back into the field of strength conditioning. Starting with, um, I have study guides on there uh, for anyone that's not Pass the CSCS or is going to take the CSCS. Um, these are study guides that I've developed over the last 30 years that I've used in my attempts to pass the CSCS, and I wanted to bring that value here to our podcast. So if you will go to the link in the description of this episode, you'll see a link to my Gumroad, in which you can purchase or just download for free. Um, the study guides for CSCS, a couple of my guides for in, uh, in-season in training, and also um, a couple of our products in there as well. Again, thank you for listening in on the Conjugate Chats, and thank you for your continuous support.